Hello, everybody. I'm Nicholas Coley with Sweet Georgia Sports, and today I'm joined by Alexander Merritt and Alex Driscoll. And today we're going to talk about the SEC championship game, recruiting for both Georgia Tech and Georgia, and the SEC in general. And we're also going to cover Jeff Jeff Collins, the new Georgia Tech football coach, and coaching changes in general. So the very first thing we're going to hit is the SEC championship game, and I'm going to drop it off to Alex to get things started. All right. Uh, yeah, SEC championship game. It was a, uh, a course, basically a foregone conclusion of um, of the national championship last year and what everybody expected coming into the year uh, this year in the SEC with uh, Alabama and Georgia. Of course, uh, Georgia came out. It was, it was almost a mirror image of last year's game. Uh, where Georgia comes out strong, um, they they go up early. Alabama's having um, problems moving the ball consistently on offense, and then uh, Georgia just kind of chokes away a lead right there. Tua has to come out of the game, which was a very very big storyline because that's been that's been uh, probably the player of the year, even though uh, Kyler Murray won the Heisman uh, recently. But two has probably been the most consistent player all year long. He has to come out, and then uh, Jalen Hurts gets his redemption story uh, coming in in that fourth quarter as uh, as he led Alabama back to victory and back to yet another SEC championship game that Alabama won 35-28. Yeah, just to kind of add on to that, uh, just like you said, Alex, this game was a mirror image of what happened in the national championship last year. Year. And looking at the stats, it's quite amazing because on paper, Georgia beat Alabama in nearly every major statistical category that um, warrants a win. They outgained Alabama. They won the turnover battle. Uh, they won time of possession and they got more first downs than Alabama. So it's it's pretty crazy how Alabama was able to turn it around in the fourth quarter. Jalen Hurts was able to you know pull a Hollywood script and do his magic and uh, pull another comeback against Georgia. Uh, it was a great game to watch, uh, although I'm very proud that Georgia, you know, as a Georgia fan, I'm proud that Georgia was able to hang in there. Uh, obviously, the loss is disappointing, but we weren't we were supposed to lose this game by two, maybe three touchdowns, and Georgia held on to the very last place. So very good effort from Georgia, but it just wasn't enough at the end of the day. Yeah, and uh, I remember predicting, I think, 35-24, and it was – 3528 so I wasn't too far off but a couple things about that game that I uh, that I took away from it was Jake Fromm definitely established himself as an elite college quarterback not that he wasn't already but that game definitely put him into that category cuz I think he had one of the best performances in uh in that game period and just one of the best performances from a college football quarterback I've seen in a while. Uh, you know, Georgia's a real team. They're going to be around for a while. You know, the only thing that I believe needs to be fixed is Kirby Smart. He he makes some questionable coaching decisions, but he's a young head coach, and I think those sort of things will get fixed. But unless you guys have anything else to add, we can move on to the next topic. 
Yeah. Um, let me just say something about Jake Fromm real quick. I, I'm going to piggyback off of that. Jake Fromm, for me, I, I was a really, really big Jake Fromm fan, even as an Auburn fan, admittedly. Um, I was a really big Jake Fromm fan when he came onto the scene last year just because of his demeanor, how he runs that offense. Um, a lot of people called him a game manager last year, which can kind of sort of be a knock, but um, at the same time, that offense last year with Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb, I mean, you really didn't need a guy that, like Atua Tungvaloa that's going to go out there and just shred a defense and strip them down. But uh, this year, he really, really kind of shed that uh, game manager label and became probably a top five, if not top three quarterback uh, in the country. I mean, we were talking this uh, before uh, we started recording, was that throw to make it like 28-14 Georgia when he hit uh, Riley Ridley in the end zone and – it was on a vertical route, and that was an NFL-type throw. Like There was only one spot where anybody could come down with that ball, and Jake Fromm nailed that spot. He hit the bullseye with that spot, and that w- that just really, really impressed me how he just stayed calm, cool, and collected going up against uh, Alabama and that type of defense that had been dominant all year long and just – just basically just proving that, hey, I'm not a game manager anymore. I can be this type of elite quarterback at a very, very high level. And to kind of add on to that, um, yes, you could make the statement that Jake Fromm was a game manager last year, but he also showed glimpses that he could take that next step and become a guy that could take control of the offense and really lead it and not have to rely so much on the running game. Jake Fromm has been making these kinds of throws his entire career in this game on the national stage. Not that he hasn't made these kinds of throws on a national stage, but he definitely cemented himself as a guy that can make those throws against a defense of that caliber. And something else I want to talk about real quick before we move on, uh, because a lot of um, people coming into this game were saying that Georgia, their defense couldn't stop Alabama. They wouldn't be able to contain to attack of Aloha. And something I was really surprised by was how much Georgia's defense was able to limit Tua and Alabama's offense in general. They had to rely on big plays from Josh Jacobs, and they had a big play from Jalen Waddell and Jerry Judy as well. But really, for for three quarters of that game, Alabama was relying on big plays from that offense to move the ball. And it wasn't until the fourth quarter where they started getting consistent uh, ball movement on offense. Um, And this is a question maybe for another day, but... Is it because Georgia's defense isn't necessarily elite? It's very young this year. They've had some growing pains, some learning curves this year, uh, breaking in a lot of starters. And it's a good defense, but it's not elite. So is it that Georgia's defense is better than we thought, or is it that Alabama's offense necessarily isn't as good as we thought? I think it's a little bit of both. I think going into the SEC championship game, Tua wasn't a hundred percent i know he'd been dealing with uh knee issues uh for the better half of the set for the better part of the second half of the season uh especially during that mississippi state game where he had uh knee issues or something like that and then he rolled his ankle uh a couple times and had like a high ankle sprain that he actually had to have surgery on the next day but he looks like he's uh raring and ready to go for oklahoma coming up 
But um, I think you could attribute that to it, but I'm not trying to make an excuse. But I think Georgia's defense did take a step back from last year's absolutely dominant performance um, just because they graduated a lot of guys like like Roquan Smith and uh, Trent Thompson went on to uh, the NFL and such like that. A lot of people were saying that that could happen. They were still uh, very, very dominant for the most part of the season, just not as dominant as last year just because they were younger and they were working in uh, uh, fr- fresher faces in on that defense. But I, for the most part, Alabama – did look off kilter offensively, and that's a that's a credit to uh, Mel Tur- Mel Tucker and uh, Kirby Smart for coming up with a great game plan, of a great defensive game plan versus Alabama, and then an even more pat on the back to the players for going out and executing that for the better half of the game, and I think they just really wore down and really um, kind of got distracted by the moment. A lot of those young guys on that Georgia defense, they kind of got distracted, got caught up in the moment, and that's what uh, let um, let Alabama kind of slowly but surely call their way in. And also the fourth, uh, the fourth down fake punt call on the 50, that really put uh, a defense that was reeling at the time that they were struggling with uh, getting consistent stops, that really put them – in a do-or-die situation as well. So that really didn't help. But all in all, I think Georgia did take a step back defensively this year. They were still very, very good, but it's just because, as you pointed out, it was their youth and also Alabama, with Tua being out, they weren't 100% um, firing on all cylinders. Uh, d- Yeah, definitely. Uh, And just my short take on that as well, I do think Tua got hurt pretty early on, and that, like Alex said, not to make an excuse – I think that benefited the Georgia defense. When Jalen Hurts got in that game, you know, it became an entirely different story. And whether that was due to they didn't plan well for Hurts or Hurts uh, just had an incredible game. I think a lot of people forget, you know, Hurts isn't as good as Tua, but Hurts was still a very good college quarterback before uh, Tua took that starting position from him last year. But we're going to move on to our next topic, which is recruiting. We know we're early signing day coming up. You know, guys are starting to release their top lists. Our guys have already committed. So I'm going to drop it off to Alex Merritt to get things started on that discussion. So with early signing day, I think it's a week from today as we're recording this. Uh, but Georgia, at least on the Bulldog side of things, Georgia's looking very good for this class. Uh, just the other day, Georgia landed. Did uh, a reaffirmment of his commitment for Nolan Smith, who is the number one rated recruit in this class. He's a, a defensive end from IMG Academy, originally from Savannah, but he went to Florida so he could uh, develop his game more and get some higher ratings. Uh, and he's going to be a stud at Georgia. He's not expected to sign early, as far as I know, but that could change. We're still a week away, and a lot of things can happen in a week. Uh, uh, there are a lot of moving pieces despite this, though, because, like I said the other day, Georgia also landed Clay Webb, who's the five-star center uh, from Alabama, which I think speaks volumes to Georgia and their recruiting staff. They were able to go in into Alabama, which is a state that doesn't normally have that kind of elite talent. Uh, you see a few prospects here and there, but we typically don't see a prospect like Clay Webb come out of there 
and they went in there in Alabama and Auburn's backyard and took Clay Webb when Clay Webb could have very easily gone to either one of those schools and gotten playing time soon. Uh, uh, but there are also still a lot of moving pieces for Georgia here. Uh, Jaden Hazelwood, or Hazelwood, I'm not sure how you say it. Either way, he's the five-star receiver um, from Cedar Grove in Ellenwood, Georgia. Uh, he was committed to Georgia for a long time, but he decommitted this fall. Uh, he's rejected to go to Miami and go uh, get coached by Mark Richt, but I still think Georgia is a player for him. I think he's going to go to Miami, but I wouldn't count Georgia out there. Uh, Trey Sanders, he's a guy that uh, has really made headlines after Clay Webb and Nolan Smith committed. He expressed interest in joining Georgia's class, and I don't, I don't know if that was a joke or not. He tweeted it out. I don't know if that was serious or not, or if he was just joking around with his teammates, but I think Trey Sanders is a name to look out for as well. Although, I, you know, in my personal opinion, I don't think Georgia needs another running back right now, but maybe I'm just uh, being a little little uh, conforming with the running backs we already have. Uh, there are, like I said, a lot of moving pieces. You got Tyreek Stevenson from Miami, a four-star cornerback. He's projected to go to Georgia. Guys like Noah Kane are in the running. Another running back, which I don't think Georgia needs another running back, but it's someone that is in the mix. Uh, and in general, Georgia's just looking very strong for this class. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll have – I mean, I, re I really can't do anything other – agree with Georgia's class because right now uh, 24-7 they are sitting at number two right behind Alabama who has like let me pull it up yeah they have like 21 four stars already committed does Alabama but um, like you said it's it's as star studded as ever um, I don't think it's going to be as good as last year's class because from top to bottom last year's class was absolutely amazing Kirby and company did a very very good job but i wanted to touch on nolan smith and clay webb real quick uh nolan smith like you said is the number one player in the nation and uh we're we use 24 sevens rankings i know it varies from place to place whether it's rivals scout espn whatever but we used uh 24 7 but um i think this is back-to-back -back years that Georgia gets the number one overall player in the nation with Justin Fields, of course, last year, and then Nolan Smith this year. So that it just goes to show how uh, Kirby has kind of changed the narrative of bringing in top guys as, as opposed to them going other places. Um, Clay Webb, really, 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 really surprised uh, a lot of us the other day on the 10th of December when he chose, of course, uh, UGA over Alabama and Auburn, his two uh, in-state big schools, Power Five schools. He's from Oxford, and that that's around probably 15, 20 minutes away from the state line in Georgia. And the the head coach at Oxford, Ryan Herring, used to be the coach at Shelby County, which is uh, the high school I graduated from. And so we still have a lot of connections with Coach Herring. And um, for the most part, we actually went to church with him. I talked with him a lot as a kid. And I think it's his wife that's an Alabama fan. And then even though he really can't, like, get into it or whatever, he is – he sides with UGA just because he grew up in Georgia. I think his dad coached in Georgia before coming to Oxford in the, in the 80s and 90s. But um, usually he sends his guys – to either UGA 
quarter Auburn. I know Rock Thomas, who was Mr. Football in 2014, came to Auburn. And then K.J. Britt, who was a four French five-star linebacker a couple years ago, came also from Oxford. Those two came from Oxford. He came down to Auburn as well. So it was a very, very surprising move that Kirby was able to pull not only the uh, number one center and interior lineman in the nation to Alabama or to Georgia, but the number one overall player in the state of Alabama to UGA. Yeah, um, and just, you know, personally, I'm not too in tune on Georgia's recruiting and, and recruiting in general because as a Georgia Tech fan, recruiting was just never something that I paid that much attention to. But, you know, recently Georgia Tech uh, has been offering, like they offered their very first tight end, I think, since 2008, a kid named Dylan Devaney out of New Jersey who I believe was committed to Rutgers. I can't say that school's name, but he was committed there. Uh, and, you know, there he has offered he, – he flipped his first guy. He got his first recruit, a, a kid named uh, Keenan Johnson out of Florida. Uh, he flipped from UNC. And uh, he, Georgia Tech has also offered uh, a guy named Kenyatta, Kenyatta Williams. He's from Grayson. He's currently committed to Texas. That was Jeff Collins' uh, very first offer uh, since he got hired, and they up. Uh, and there's also some rumors going around that they have interest in uh, running back. That's a four-star committed to NC State named Jemias Griffin. So Georgia Tech has definitely, at least from the outside, appeared to step up their recruiting game. But I, do you guys have anything to add on Georgia Tech recruiting or recruiting in general? I I wanted to, yeah, you I wanted to ask you a question real quick, Nick, because, yeah, because uh, you know after seeing Paul Johnson at Georgia Tech for so long, he obviously picked guys out not necessarily by their star rating, but about but by how he, they fit in Paul Johnson's offense. But now with Jeff Collins here, he's a better, better recruiter. He runs an offense that is suitable for more players i guess or more of a variety of players so with jeff collins coming in and trying to take control of that atlanta area do you see them competing with georgia a little more in terms of in-state recruiting or do you still think georgia has the leg up for now uh i definitely don't see them com uh competing with georgia because i just don't think that I think Georgia is way too ahead of us as a program, you know, financially and just uh, with established roots inside the state. And that's nothing against uh, Jeff Collins, who has been recruiting Georgia for a very long time. I mean, he got his coaching career started at Tech with uh, O'Leary as a graduate assistant. And uh, he was the recruiting coordinator for the class that brought in Jonathan Dwyer, uh, Demarius Thomas, and Derek Morgan a while back, which was one of the strongest Georgia Tech recruiting classes in years. But I do think Jeff Collins will be able to help hold out some of the outside schools that like to come and raid Georgia, which is, you know, a very, you know, a lot of Georgia Tech fans complain about that Georgia Tech loses out on so many recruits to all these different schools from different states. And I think he'll be able to do that. You know, you, you were just talking, you mentioned, uh, 
Jaden Hazelwood a, a few minutes ago. You know, I believe, you know, maybe not guys of his caliber, but I do believe he'll be able to keep schools like Miami kind of out of Georgia. And I know Mark Rick knows Georgia very well. He recruited here for years. But I think we'll start to see Jeff Collins kind of help hold out, which, you know, will benefit Georgia as well in the long run. All right. And Alex, did you have anything to add on recruiting? Uh, yeah, I, staying with Georgia Tech, um, I really like the Jeff Collins hire. Um, I thought, I know me and you, me and you Nick, uh, talked about um, Tony Elliott from uh, Clemson, who's the co-offense coordinator and the running backs coach. He calls like the running plays and running situations. But um, he was a name that was rumored, but it like never like really materialized. Or whatever, but he would have been a really, really good fit at uh, Georgia Tech. He's recruited a lot of guys um, that have made a very, very good impact at Clemson in the in recent years. But uh, Jeff Collins, it's probably um, probably the best hire they could have made outside of Tony Elliott. Um, now he's been he's been a uh, been a defense coordinator for years in the South at at uh, FIU and Mississippi State and Florida, and then he went on to uh, Temple to be the head coach there, and he's he's done a solid job at Temple. So, I mean, he, he knows the area. He's from Conyers, Georgia. Uh, he's been in the SEC uh, for majority of his career, I believe. So he, he knows uh, where and how to recruit uh, kids from the state. And like you said, holding out – schools like a Miami or a North Carolina or maybe even a Tennessee, even though Tennessee is kind of a more national brand as well as Auburn, who has um, who has a commitment from Owen Pepo, from Grayson, who's the number one outside linebacker prospect in the nation. So I really think Jeff Collins is going to be a fantastic recruiter for Tech, and he's probably going to bring in some classes to Tech that we haven't seen in a while right now on 24-7. They um, right right now they're ranked 48th nationally and 10th in the ACC. So sometimes it can be hard to compete like that. Uh, but it's going to be really really exciting to see all the players that Jeff Collins can bring to Atlanta once he gets his first recruiting cycle in. And you also have to imagine that um, Georgia Tech bringing in a guy like Jeff Collins, who is already, in my opinion, a better recruiter than Paul Johnson. But you can't imagine that they expected. Jeff Collins, even four years from now, to be to make Georgia Tech the powerhouse that Georgia is right now. I think it's a different uh, set of expectations, and I I do agree. I think Jeff Collins is a great hire for Georgia Tech. You know, uh, def, he's coached there twice before, um, and he he knows the state very well, like you said, Nick. Um, but I can't imagine that they are having massive expectations in terms of recruiting. I think yes, like you said, Nick, they'll definitely. Um, help with keeping the state locked down between Georgia and Georgia Tech and even Georgia State and Georgia Southern in some ways, um, but just locking down the state. But uh, in my opinion, I, it, I think it's a different set of expectations than with a program like Georgia or even a program like Auburn who recruits from this state every year, just like a lot of national powerhouses do. Uh, you know, I'm going to you know, kind of agree with you. And just to stay on the Jeff Collins topic in general, since that was something that we wanted to discuss, uh, I don't believe Georgia Tech ever expects to compete with Georgia 
you know, straight up, but I do think they have an expectation to constantly, you know, be at the top of the ACC Coastal and be in that ACC championship game against Clemson, you know, every single year. And there's really no reason to me why that's not something that can happen, especially with Florida State, you know, just nosediving and Miami being, you know, a Margaret kind of coach team where they just never live up to their expectations. Uh, so, you know, and to stick with Jeff Collins, like I just said, you know, he he did come from Florida. He, he was a DCF forward and something I just found interesting that, you know, both his defenses that he coached there, they didn't lose to Georgia, which is something just, you know, to look at. But, uh, you know, Collins, he's a very good defensive coordinator. You know, I, I'm a big fan of the hire just because of his experience in Georgia. You know, at his presser, he said this is his end game. This is where he wants to be. Now, that uh, that could be coach speak, of course, but he is from Georgia. And, you know, like you got both you guys mentioned, he's been here twice. He was a recruiting coordinator here. He was under O'Leary who was a, uh, you know, a pretty good tech coach. You know, is is like you guys, recruiting that tech can be inherently difficult because of academic standards. I don't believe that Paul Johnson, the offense he ran, that it helped, you know, and of course, Paul Johnson has some very good triple option teams in 2014. And, you know, in 2008, he had a very good team with uh, Nesbeth and Demarius Thomas and Dwyer. And, you know, he has some very talented guys on that defense as well with uh, Derek Morgan and Morgan Burnett. But those guys were Chan Gailey recruits. And a part of the recruiting class that Jeff Collins actually brought in, they weren't Paul Johnson recruits. So, and, you know, I love Paul Johnson. You know, I never had anything against the guy. I think he peaked at Tech, you know, two or three years ago. And I think he retired at the right time. And, you know, I'm excited for the Jeff Collins hire. You know, my only concern going forward is how they will approach the offensive game. I know we have a couple quarterbacks on the roster that can allegedly pass the ball uh, with uh, James Graham and Jordan Yates, who's a quarterback at Milton, who's actually playing in his championship, 7-8 championship game against Colquitt tonight when we recorded this. And he's supposed to, you know, he's drawn Russell Wilson comparisons. I don't know. I've never personally watched the kid play. Uh, but it'll be very interesting how Georgia Tech approaches things. You know, they have some talented kids on that defense already. The defense was very young. Uh, they have the Swilling brothers that I like, uh, Trey Swilling, who I thought is a pretty decent quarter, corner, and his brother, uh, Bruce Jordan Swilling, who uh, played linebacker. He didn't get a lot of run at linebacker last year, but, you know, there's reports going around that he wants to play running back, and he was a very good running back. Um, I, I, he got offers from some, from some pretty nice schools as a running back, but he wanted to play at Georgia Tech. So, and they and they didn't have a spot at running back for him. Uh, they only had a spot at linebacker, so that's what he did. But um, unless you guys have anything else to add on Jeff Collins, there was one more topic I wanted to discuss that I just thought of. All right, I'm good to go, yeah. You good, Alex, too? Yeah, 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 go ahead. Okay, Um, 
One thing that's been a very hot debate recently was the Heisman. And I just wanted to hear your guys' takes on that. So I'll drop it off to Alex. Um, I think Tua had it all wrapped up during the Auburn game. I mean, he shredded us. Um, I mean, really, who didn't he shred this year besides Georgia? But um, I really think um, conference championship weekend, at least in my mind, narrowed the gap significantly. And apparently it did since Kyler won. But really, if you're just sitting here debating it, I mean, you can choose one or the other. You're not going to be wrong on either one. Tua could have won it. Kyler could have won it. It's it's almost like the uh, Justin Fields Trevor Lawrence debate last year. It was kind of one A one B. Who's the who's the better quarterback in the class? But um, but really at the end of the day, you really couldn't be wrong. Sometimes if you really want to get like the fine points of it, that's really just um, splitting hairs and kind of getting nitpicky in my opinion. Either one could have won it. I re- Honestly, I just feel I just feel really, really bad for uh, Dwayne Haskins because any other year he'd probably be the winner. But um, I mean, when when you have guys like Kyler Murray and Tua Tagovailoa ahead of you, I mean, you're you're not doomed. Um, as a player, you're just doomed to win the Heisman. But that that's just kind of my thoughts on it. Really, kind of feel bad for Dwayne Haskins that he's put in that position because any other year he wins it, and at the end of the day, you really couldn't go wrong choosing in between Kyler or Tua. And I have a slightly different take on the Heisman situation. I do agree that you could have picked either or, and I especially agree that Dwayne Haskins could have easily won it any other year because he had statistically the best season a Big Ten quarterback has ever had. He's thrown 40-plus touchdowns, I think only seven interceptions. He's played amazing for the Buckeyes this year, Um, and it's a shame that Ohio State's defense – was not very good this year, or else Ohio State would have been a big-time playoff contender. And they still finished six in the final polls, despite their defense being very subpar. But I, I've i been kind of debating this all week, because I personally thought Tua should have won it. Yes, he didn't play very well against Georgia, but as we talked about earlier, he was injured. He was injured coming into the game. A lot of factors, not to discredit Georgia's defense, because Georgia's defense had a great game plan. They played very well, um, in my opinion. But I thought Tua Tagovailoa should have won it. I I think Kyler Murray's a great player. I think he's a fantastic quarterback, and I think he'll do great with the athletics once he uh, joins them in the spring. But if... I'm looking at this from a statistical standpoint. I'm looking at the defensive efficiency for the Big 12 and the SEC, and I'm looking at how those conferences match, uh, how those conferences match up um, in, those, in that category and in other categories. Um, and I know statistics isn't the only thing. It's kind of like a gut feeling with the Heisman as well. Uh, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of things that come into play with it. But statistically, I feel like Tua played a much uh, – more defensive conference obviously in the big 12 defense is optional uh the best defense in the big 12 might be texas i'm kind of going on i think it's texas and their secondary is atrocious uh and even then oklahoma relatively struggle i don't even want to say struggle they still put 40 nearly 40 points on them in both of their contests but uh in my opinion i think kyler murray played basically teams that were forced to feel the defense 
Two attack of Aloha obviously plays in the SEC where the defensive efficiency or the average uh, defensive efficiency is much higher than the Big 12s. I think Tua, and you also have to consider that Tua played half the snaps that Kyler did, and he still put up uh, comparable numbers against better defenses and better competition in general. If you look at the Big 12 and compare it to the SEC and look at the top three teams in each conference, in the Big 12 you have Oklahoma, Texas, and West Virginia. Outside of that, the Big 12 is very average or bad. I, I don't think Iowa State is that good. I know they're ranked, but don't, they have like four or five losses. I don't know why they're ranked. Uh, I haven't watched them, so maybe I don't know. Sorry, I'm going on a tangent, but I just I I don't truly understand why Kyler uh, – not that why Kyler won it, but why he won in, in the fashion that he did. Um, and, you know, kind of to agree with you, I, I, I really thought – that that was Tua's award, and he lost it because of one game in which he was hurting and didn't even finish the game, and I'm not sure if that had anything to do with it. You know, I find the Heisman voters sometimes to be very, you know, just weird with how they vote. I know last year, you know, there was a year that Deshaun Watson should have won it, and he didn't get it. And, you know, when Lamar Jackson won it, you know, the second half of his season wasn't that great, and he still got it. Uh, you know, there was times when guys probably should have had won it a second time and didn't get it because they don't want to give it to anybody twice, it seems. Uh, and, you know, like you guys said, Dwayne Haskins had an incredible season, especially uh, if you and anybody that ever watched Haskins play, the dude, is a, he's a baller. Uh you know, my only thing that maybe they didn't give it to two is maybe they saw Kyler Murray, he won't be a college football player next year, and they expect Tua to be just as good next year and he'll win it then. That could be a possibility. That's probably a stretch. And if they vote like that, that's a bit ridiculous. That's a ridiculous way to approach it, in my opinion. But, you know, at the end of the day, Kyler is an incredible quarterback. I mean, I... I don't know how he would project at the NFL level. You know, I know people bag on his height. I don't think height's all that much of an issue. I mean, Baker Mayfield isn't that tall. Uh, Drew Brees is not that tall. Russell Wilson isn't that tall either. And they're all good quarterbacks. And Baker looks like he's going to be a great quarterback himself. Uh, I don't know. You know, sometimes you just you can't have an explanation for things. Tua, you know, we all know Tua is an incredible quarterback. You know, I know people were bagging on him during that game as well, saying he's not an NFL quarterback. I don't agree with that, but that's what some people believe. Uh, I think Tua's very young, and he's also already so good. And he's going to – I think, if anything, that Georgia game would be a big learning experience for him, you know, not to hold on to the ball so long and to get rid of it because he's he loves going for that big play. That's the mindset uh, of that Alabama offense this year, a big play. But I'm going to agree with uh, you, Alex, that Tua should have had that award. But I also understand that why Kyler won it. But uh, – and- and you also have to consider, because like you said, Tua, he he tried to do too much against Georgia. He tried to make the big play happen when it wasn't there. There was a, I think it was in the second quarter of the SEC championship, uh, he was getting hit and he kind of just let it go, hoping that something would happen. There wasn't a receiver within 10 yards of the ball and had DeAndre Baker um, held onto it, it would 
and maybe gotten better balance, it would have been a pick six, and it would have completely flipped the game um, even more than it already was. Uh, I just – and going back to Texas's defense, I just – that's the best defense that Oklahoma has played all year. I'm pretty sure – I'm trying to think of who they played. Army, they have a good defense, but, you know, they're they're an independent – and in school, you know, they don't have the talent. I mean, they're also a service academy, so they obviously don't have the talent of someone like Georgia or Auburn or LSU or Alabama. But even, like I said before, if you compare the top three or four teams in the Big 12 and the SEC, you have Oklahoma, Texas, West Virginia, uh, Iowa State maybe, and you compare that to Alabama, Georgia, LSU, let's say Kentucky. I just don't think it compares at all. Yeah, and, you know, I do think there was a lot of negativity surrounding Tua outside of that game as well, you know, about, and I had mentioned his NFL future. There was just negativity about that. People saying he was never that good to begin with. This is the first time he's played a real defense. And, you know, I wouldn't doubt that had anything to do with the Heisman voters and how they approach it because they want to be looked at as making the right decision in the future, you know, in the long term, they want to look smart as a predictor of success. And, you know, with these kind of awards in, in general, sometimes you just have to look at who's voting and why decisions are made. And decisions aren't always made based off of how good this guy played this year or who this guy played. I think sometimes at the end of the day, the vote comes down to who makes the Heisman voters look the best in the long term, which is crazy bad, but that's at least how I see it. But unless you guys have anything else to add, I think we're about ready to wrap this up. Yeah. Yeah, I'm good. That was good. All right. Uh, well, I'm Nicholas Coley uh, with Sweet Georgia Sports, joined by Alex Merritt and Alex Driscoll. Thanks for listening to this video. Sorry, it's a bit long. We'll try to get these wrapped up quicker in the future, but we'll see you guys next time.